0: Every Bitcoin halving cycle, we see grand predictions of where price can reach by the end of the next bull market, but we rarely see the big ones during the bear market. Usually, we're talking about how Bitcoin is going to zero, and if it's at 25, it has to go to 15, and when it gets to 15, it has to go to five, and then it has to somehow go negative because people are just that bearish. But in this market, we've had a few people making bold. I put that in quotes because I don't really think that they're that bold, but bold predictions about what's to come. Of course, we had Mark Yusko on last Thursday. He said $150,000 in the next cycle was definitely possible. and A lot of that was based on Fundstrat's Tom Lee. We'll show you that clip again where he talked about the clearing price after an ETF approval being $150,000 to $180,000. Of course, those insights come from his head of digital assets, which is Sean Farrell, our guest today. We're going to talk about how they got to that number, whether that is realistic, whether we could actually go a lot higher and what happens if a Bitcoin ETF is not approved. And of course, on the back end, we're going to look at some charts and trades with Charlie Burton. This is going to be yet another epic stream. You guys don't want to miss it. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. Got a lot going on today. If you guys uh, didn't see it, by the way, I'm just going to go throw this up here. I forgot to share my screen. But um, the talk of the town is Frentech. I will inevitably mention that with Sean, but I did a long write up on that this morning in the newsletter. My unfortunate, I'll say, experiences with it. uh, Not a Believer. Let's just be honest, not a believer in what's happening with friend tech, but you'll probably be seeing it all over Twitter these days. The other thing personally that I have to do today is go watch the Florida Gator documentary Swamp Kings on Netflix, because you all know I'm a huge Gator fan. But I kind of hate Urban Meyer, and I have a feeling it's going to paint him in a terrible light. And that's something worth celebrating in my mind. But that's not what you guys are here for to talk about Let's talk about Bitcoin, ETF approvals, price targets, and more. I've got Sean here from Funstrat. Sean, how are you, man?
1: Hey, Scott. Doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing as great. A,
1: uh, as an adopted Buckeye fan, I would also uh, I'd like to cheer your ear off later about, about Urban. And
0: uh, What's amazing, though, is that this guy won but has left a path of people who hate him even after he won everywhere he goes. Everywhere. Nobody in Gainesville at the University of Florida likes the guy.
1: Yeah, the uh, the feelings are mixed. I think he's still generally liked in Columbus uh, on net, but there's definitely some mixed feelings. I know kickers kickers for Jacksonville definitely don't like him. <laughs> yeah,
0: he, he did sure. not do too too well with the Jags. All I know is that when he was at the University of Florida, and I have to presume this is what the documentary is about, we had the most felony arrests of any program in history. The stories are absolutely out of control. And when he left, he said he was having a mental breakdown midseason, quit, destroyed our recruiting for the next 10 years, said he was quitting coaching forever, and then went to Ohio State.
1: As one does. Yes,
0: so we we don't like him too much. But anyways, let's talk about wild bitcoin predictions right Let, first of all let's just go ahead and watch tom once again and we can uh, see how we got to this 150 180 number because you are so fearless um where are you on bitcoin by the by the end of next year let's say uh
1: well if the spot bitcoin gets approved yeah i think the demand will be greater than the, the daily supply of bitcoin and so the clean the airing price, uh, this is done by Sean Farrell, who's our crypto digital strategist, is, is over 150000 It could even be like $180,000. But that,
0: it's, that's only if the spot, even, only if the ETF gets approved. Yeah, is and the US, a, s- a spot US because right. a, a spot
1: Bitcoin ETF is approved outside the right. US. Okay, but if it's not approved, then are we just lingering around $29,000? Uh, there's still upside counts because of the halving next mm-hmm. year. So you'll have a, a drop in supply again, so the clearing price has to increase, but it won't be six figures.
0: Okay, so he credited you there, so that means that you get to walk us through how you came to this prediction.
1: Indeed. Um, well, I guess you know to, to start us off, uh, it's worth noting that all models are wrong. Some are informative, and you know this is obviously a longer-term uh, price model. We have our a Forty thousand dollar target that we gave in the beginning of the year still intact for this calendar year um, for ETH. We still see that getting up to you know the high two thousands. But you know if we want to talk about the price equilibrium model that we put together, um, it's pretty it's pretty simple. So if you look at the average block reward over the past twelve months or so, and this analysis was done when we were kind of stuck in that you know twenty eight to thirty one thousand dollar range. Uh, you know, last month. Uh, the average daily block reward was around 25 million per day. It's 900 Bitcoin, give or, give or take. And, um, you know, since you can assume that price was in equilibrium, uh, there was also at the same time around 25 million in daily supply. Uh, using some historical benchmarks and some some assumptions, you know, it's, it's a pretty, um, I think, reasonable uh, bet to say that the BlackRock ETF uh, could lead to, say, 25 billion, billion with a B, in uh, first year inflows, you know, that compares pretty, um, uh, compares well with the, you know, total AUM of current crypto products, which is about 36 million, uh, the first year for the NASDAQ 100 ETF, QQQ, uh, which was around uh, 36 billion, and, you um, so it's it's not a crazy assumption. You also have Larry Fink, which is going to bring out his, his marketing team and really push this product on a whole new class of, of, of consumers and, and investors. Um, and so, if you take that twenty five billion dollar assumption, which I think is pretty conservative, as I mentioned, um, you know that that equates to about hundred million dollars in, in daily demand. And so you have you have um, you know this supply and demand equation, which is out of whack. You have uh, on a USD. On a USD basis, you have about 125 million in daily uh, inflows, and you have uh, 25 million in in supply uh, from from you know block rewards. And so, um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, you know those two numbers are going to have to meet, which uh, leads to our four to five x um, increase in price to to meet at that that equilibrium. That equates to about 150 thousand dollars per Bitcoin.
0: I love the uh, comments. We get them every time. So here's the 150K laugh out loud in your dreams, bro. No way. But right before the stream, I said to you, that doesn't seem like a high target. It seems low, right? Because if we look at previous cycles, and we're only talking about the ETF now, but if you look at just the four year cycles, if we consider 69,000 the high here, you're talking about simply doubling, which is. Would be a very, very underwhelming bull market for Bitcoin if you're right, just holding the high.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, there, there are other ways that we can test this. And, you know, I mentioned this is a long-term uh, thesis, right? Like we're looking out to end of next year, um, you know, after the, the ETF is is launched, you know, assuming it, it is launched, because who knows what happens these days. Um, you know, there, there are more um, uh, timely models we use to give near term price targets. And, and uh, one, one model we use is uh, MBRV model. So essentially, we forecast flows into the Bitcoin network using realized cap as a proxy. It's kind of just like the cost basis of the overall Bitcoin network. Um, and if you look at last cycle, and then we just capitalize that with a multiple, kind of measuring how how frothy the the overall market cap is relative to that cost basis. And if you look at the last cycle, um, you know we had about three hundred to four hundred billion in inflows if we use realized cap as a proxy. Um, and then if you capitalize that by the four to five x multiple uh, crypto multiplier that that we also include in our calculations, can walk you through that if you want. Um, that kind of, that's kind of what brought us to our, you know, the peak in the last cycle. So if you project that forward and assume that at least 300 to 400 billion in inflows is going to transpire the next cycle, um, you know, then, then you start to, you start to like create a framework for how we can get there pretty easily. Um,
0: I would think we'd get to 150 without an ETF approval, just based on that. Yeah. The yeah no, I,
1: and I, I frank, <laughs> Frankly, I think, I think I agree with that. I think I agree with that. Uh,
0: so I think that the, it could be it could be much higher, but just to be clear, guys, he is saying by the end of 2024, maybe into 2025, which is how we generally see these cycles. Does that mean, though, that you are not optimistic that an ETF will get approved imminently? Obviously, we have the Grayscale decision as soon as 10:45 a.m. Although this is like the fifth day that people have yeah. been refreshing to see the Grayscale opinion that hasn't come, and we have. Uh, Eric Balchunas and James Seifert at Bloomberg, obviously saying 65% chance of that approval this year. I mean, if this gets approved in October, does that push the model in any way, shape, or form, or or, or you know, is this based on an approval in 2024?
1: Yeah. So th- that's the thing about timing and and you know why it you know it's why we have a uh, service to sell our clients is that you know obviously that timeline adjusts on the weekly, monthly basis. Um, you know, we we like to help people manage timing and and you know manage risk around these different events um <clears throat> so you know our base case you know we gave a 70% probability of approval of a spot etf um this calendar year i think this that we gave that uh, about a month and a half ago and uh you know we're sticking by that we think that uh the big catalyst is going to be um a grayscale victory over the sec um and, you know, as, as you mentioned, that ruling should be imminent. Um, I think a lot of people are hoping that ruling comes down today, actually at 11 a.m. I know I'm going to be refreshing the the Bloomberg guys, Eric and James, that are refreshing their Twitters around that time. Um, and, uh, you know, most most people that I speak with are pretty optimistic about Grayscale's chances against the SEC, and and that I think that would derail a lot of the um, – a lot of the headwinds facing ETF approval. Um, and so, you know, we think that from a timing perspective, it's it's probably likely that uh, Grayscale wins, uh, they are forced to reapply, the SEC continues to defer on applications and then they all get approved at once because I think the last thing that the SEC wants to do is um, look like it's it's uh, playing favorites.
0: Yeah, I, when I had Mark Yusko on, he's like, no, they'll just play favorites. <laughs> He was like October, October sixteenth or something. He gave the date. He was like, they'll reject Bitwise, so that BlackRock's next in line. And then the next day, they'll approve a BlackRock ETF. But I'm more inclined to believe what you're saying, which is that um, why not, right? Because uh, why not just approve them all if they're if they're materially the same, if they have the same surveillance sharing agreements, if there's nothing materially different, as I said, just let the uh, let the let them compete, right, and let the winner win. BlackRock's going to win. We know that. And and I I want to go back to something you said at the beginning, which is that uh, the Larry Fink marketing machine will go into effect. It's something I talk about quite a lot and I agree with. BlackRock's not just launching an ETF and like hoping that they organically get 100 million in inflows in the first week, right? Even when we had the futures ETF last year, it got a billion in the first 48 hours or so. Imagine, I have to imagine that BlackRock already has the investors lined up pending an approval. But there's just going to be a massive inflow at the very beginning to get that started.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why we were generally pretty constructive as soon as they they applied um, is, uh, you know, I, I don't think BlackRock throws just throws stuff at the wall and sees what sticks. They definitely had some kind of um, not it, you know insider baseball, but I, I think they were pretty well informed as it pertains to this Grayscale case and the probability of, of uh, uh, ETF getting across the finish line. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, uh, it's, you know, you saw Larry Fink on CNBC and all the other programs shortly after their application, right? <clears throat> and that was to say, hey, like, we're not just, cow. we're not Another just, we're cow. not launching this ETF <laughs> for crypto Twitter. We're, we're launching it for, uh, you know, mom and pop that has their brokerage account and wants to, a uh, you know, tax efficient, um, uh, cost efficient way to, uh, have exposure to this emerging asset class. Um, so, you know, some of the benchmarks that we're, we're looking at for, <clears throat> you know, what BlackRock might be targeting for inflows, you know, you look at, um, you know, 1% of gold market cap, right? That's, you know, you, you heard Larry on TV talking about how, gold, how Bitcoin is this, you know, improved uh, form of gold. It's a digital version of it. You know, if you, you take 1% of gold market cap, uh, that's, you know, that's $128, 150000000000 billion right there in inflows. Um, you have Larry, if you have Larry, you know, um, advising a, you know, 50 bit to 100 bit allocation in, you know, the average BlackRock portfolio to Bitcoin, just given its, you know, portfolio diversifying effects, um, that's another 90 to $100 billion. So there are a lot of ways to Benchmark and potentially quantify the BlackRock effect, but in, in either way, it's it's a uh, it's a non-negligible number. I mean, you think about <clears throat> think about BlackRock and what they've, I mean, they create a whole asset class around 2016, 2017, and ESG. <clears throat> Excuse me. You think about all of the inflows that just from a branding perspective that that um, that that captured. Uh, just imagine what they could do with an actual. An actual yeah, uh,
0: pro, I, I, pro I mean, ESG asset. A- I laugh because you know they they created ESG, and the biggest fud around Bitcoin was the environmental concerns and the impact, and we're boiling the oceans and more electricity than the uh, country of Argentina and all the sort of fud. And then Larry Fink, the king of uh, the environment, comes in and says, "Ah, uh, Bitcoin ETF, it's cool." Yeah, it's kind of a massive stamp of approval on uh, the electric electricity fud. I think yeah you know in terms scaling. of uh,
1: on the topic of like the old guard esg and bitcoin i highly recommend people go check out um kpmg actually released a report the guys over there in the research department released a, a report on bitcoin and how it is actually pro esg through and through both all, all esng and i thought it was really good and, and very refreshing uh piece of literature coming from um <clears throat> you know an, an accounting firm an uh, you generally wouldn't associate with with innovation.
0: Yeah. Listen, I want to pivot because I mentioned friend tech earlier and a bunch of people were asking me about it. And I know that maybe this isn't like your uh, core competency when we're talking about Bitcoin predictions. But man, so I was doing a Twitter Spaces on it yesterday. So I promised Rand and Mario, who are the other Spaces hosts, that I would sign up so that I... Because they knew I was going to probably scream and yell about it. And they wanted me to actually be able to do it from a uh, position of, I guess, knowledge. So as a DYOR... First of all, the process of signing up is is horrid. Like you know, you have to get ETH and then bridge it to Base and then send it to there. But what's crazy is there's no terms and conditions, there's no privacy policies, anything. It's like connect your Twitter account, and all of a sudden you're minted, and bots just start pumping the crap out of your "quote unquote" shares, which they have renamed keys now because <laughs> you know if you rename it, Gary Gensler won't get <clears> the security. So I basically securitized myself, apparently, <laughs> and uh, I don't understand. I just don't get it. I was in there. People were like, "You add value, and you, um, you know, you, 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 you pump your share." First of all, if you're doing that, you're promoting probably an unregistered security, and therefore are in violation of securities laws, right? If you compel people, that's the very definition is if someone expects has an expectation of profit because of a promoter or a marketer. But it's like a one way chat where nobody can see each other's things, and you're responding. That doesn't work fifty percent of the time. So what people are doing is like buybacks okay that's pumping the price that's probably not okay uh, I, I don't even know what else they're doing giveaways but you give away a thousand and then you make three or four thousand on fees that's just basically a way to enrich yourself so I I don't get it is is this just another stupid attempt for people to grab cash really fast and move on to the next thing in the bear market
1: um it's probably a little bit of both right so I guess full disclosure I haven't tried it I haven't <clears throat> completely on board of myself. Um, I will say real quick <laughs> off the bat, well, well, I got, I you know, I have the invite code. I just have to bridge some some ETH over and get started. Um, You know, I will say first thing first, the one thing I noticed, which is very interesting and maybe not exactly what you wanted to talk about, but I thought it was interesting that it launched as a web app, right? So um, instead of going through the Apple store and- it can. Uh, and yeah, no, pay, paying a 30% tax to, and I think this was part of the reason why the onboarding wasn't as seamless as maybe you expected. Uh, you know, you had to go to the website in your Safari browser and, uh, you know, save the app to your, um, home, screen. <clears throat> yeah. to your um, home screen. Home screen, right? yeah. Right, and yeah. it was, it's basically just a, a highly performant web app. And, um, you know, from there, the experience is actually pretty akin to a normal normal Apple Store application. So, I thought it was a very creative way to get around those guardrails and- um, Yeah, but let's be honest, Apple
0: Apple doesn't even allow uh, platforms that have like simple tipping in crypto, right? right. right? right. They're not gonna exactly. allow something like this as a money grab where the platform is making 5% transaction fees, the influencer or person who mints themselves making 5% fees and Apple gets nothing. This will never be on Google Play or the App Store.
1: Yeah, Ever. no, I, and I, I think you'll see a lot more of that. Um, from like an application perspective, I think um, you know it, it's it's kind of been tried before you know we've had big clout and a wow. couple of other social token uh, type applications and uh, by and large they haven't worked for the same reason mostly because <clears throat> you know it's obviously high, highly speculative. It's tough to create a differentiated experience uh, even if you have like a private chat room for, um you know a select number of of you know key holders uh over a long term uh and so you know as prices gone down these apps have kind of like fizzle, fizzled out and so i question the sustainability and like the longevity of this app but you know i'm I'm pretty po- pro uh speculation i'm pro mm. you know iterating and uh finding something that works but um i'll probably it try days. it Maybe my opinion will change
0: I give it like a 1% chance of success. I think that most people on there are farming transactions so they can eventually get this mythical airdrop and then it all goes to zero within like a month after that. Maybe I'm too pessimistic, but like going through the process and seeing the bots pump it up. And then like if the, if the, if the pitch is that somebody gets access to you, I don't know, man, just use discord or something and charge people 50 bucks or like, listen, you guys, you're a research cup. Like you provide (coughs) research for a fee, right? Isn't that, Access to the brain of Funstrat isn't that the entire point? This is not getting you that.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think the 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 um, the use case is probably less for services and more for like IP, right? <clears throat> and investing in like a uh, future stream of cash flows. So like, if you had like a an artist, and there are some like NFT projects that are working on this. If you have like an artist that is early, <coughs> excuse me. If you're an artist, that's early and, uh, you know, you're the first person that reads their work or um, listens to their music or what have you, you know, that's, I guess, a use case where you invest in their uh, personhood, their IP early on. And then over time, right. you create a mechanism to share in earnings. But
0: I agree with that via NFTs, right? Uh, but that's not what's happening here. <clears throat> None of the value accrues to the actual social token. Right. Right? So it's like, I could, you could read my thing, but you don't get a piece of it. You just get a piece of my shares, which are based on speculation entirely. And so that's just the perception of the market. I agree with you that that's one of the most compelling use cases of these things. It just doesn't work in this case at all to me. But I'm really actually curious to hear what you say after you onboard and try it out. I will report back. Yeah, please do. <clears throat> Going back to the the ETFs, what if, if we talked about if Grayscale wins and there's this assumption that Grayscale wins? A, what if they lose? And B, what if they win? But the secondary effect of that is that futures ETFs are removed, which some people fear.
1: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> certainly anything is possible. Um, I think one, if Grayscale doesn't win, that doesn't completely negate the likelihood of ETF approval. Um, I think there's still a good possibility that we get one across the finish line, probably incrementally reduce our probability from 75% to say like 50%. But uh, on your second point in terms of rescinding the futures base ETF, uh, you know, anything is possible Wouldn't put anything past this current um, SEC or, you know, yeah, that's all. I, I wouldn't put anything past the current SEC. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. In that case, there, you know, you would have a situation where they actively hurting investors by doing that. Um, and it would just be a, a bizarre thing to do and would likely result in some kind of public result, I'd th- uh, revolt, I'd think. Um, so I think. So I don't see that as a, as a highly probable event.
0: If the next cycle high in Bitcoin is, let's call it 150 to 180 conservatively, where does that put Ethereum? Do you think that Ethereum performs in parallel or do you think that actually it has more upside in these cycles as we've often seen in the past?
1: Yeah, so I mean, relative to, uh, you know, I don't think we we, we don't subscribe to the flippening thesis. We still think mm-hmm. most capital is going to onboard into the crypto ecosystem through Bitcoin. <clears throat> I also think that, and, and to be clear, we're constructive on ETH. Think it will perform very well over the next cycle. Um, you know, we haven't put out any price targets, but you know, top of my head, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think 10 to 15k is is too unreasonable of a tar- long-term target long term um, target. The one interesting thing, the one thing that ETH has going against it is, um, from a flows perspective, is that you know, in prior cycles, if you wanted to invest in Ethereum and ETH, the the platform, the network, you just bought ETH. Um, Now with layer two networks rolling out and people moving commerce and activity to these layer two networks, a lot of activity, I think, and a lot of demand, a lot of flows are gonna go to both ETH, right? But as well, but they're also gonna go to these layer two tokens. So I could see a world in which ETH does very well, right? But you have to look at ETH in like, like a basket right? So, you, yeah. so you, you have to buy ETH, you have to buy um, ETH and all of the scaling layers above it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's not just ETH anymore. It's the entire ETH ecosystem and everything that goes into that. So a lot of that could <laughs> accrue to the layer twos and other things. Sean, man, thank you so much for your perspective. We all want 180,000 Bitcoin, I think 225. I mean, I'm throwing it out there right now, 225. They're not right. going to put me on Mark, CNBC Mark to tape. talk about it. All right the Art tape, to take right now. I said it on Tuesday, August twenty second at nine twenty nine. But if they uh, reject uh, grayscale in an hour and a half, I want to rescind it. If that's <laughs> <right>. deal. <laughs> All right. Deal. Man. Thank yeah. you so much, everybody. Uh, you can follow Sean down in the description as his Twitter name, and obviously uh, check out everything Funstrat's doing because I know that you guys are uh, highly, highly touted and respected, and uh, a lot of incredible insight coming from you guys. Thank you, man. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'll take two twenty five. Honestly, I'm going to be honest. If you guys remember, I was saying 235 um, in the last cycle. But not for this cycle. For the last cycle. So maybe take uh, my wild predictions with a grain of salt and his and everyone else's as well. But now we don't need to speculate based on ETF approvals and news and the law and all these things. We can just take a look at the charts and try to figure it out. And I'm really interested in uh, today's second guest, Charlie Burton's take on what's happening because that Bitcoin drop, which happened in a matter of like 15 minutes, basically, took caught a lot of people by surprise. And now it seems like we're just kind of a slightly bouncing ball there on support. So I'm curious to see if he thinks that uh, we do the Bart Simpson and head back up or if we're just uh, waiting here and bearishly
2: consolidating for another leg down.
0: Charlie, what's up, man? How are you today?
2: I'm very good, and you know what the answer is going to be. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be bearish.
0: <laughs> Should you? Yeah, we haven't always short been bearish, term. though. Yeah, it, yeah. I, think, I, I think you have to be inclined to be short term bearish, right? I mean, you have a very clear move. The market told you support broke in. that area was rejected. But we see these moves. I, you know, I kind of drew this earlier as a joke, but we see these moves where you just pull the part Simpson here, you know, the parts there, and then it just goes right back up because. If this was some, I'm not saying that will happen, by the way. But if this was some sort of technical move, we had Dave Weisberger on yesterday. He explained how he dug pretty deep into it. It was one massive spot seller on OKX who sold a massive position in five minutes, caused a liquidation cascade, was probably short with leverage, made a whole ton of money, and done. Right? I mean, this wasn't. Uh, there was no news as we like everyone talking about SpaceX and all these things. Yeah, I don't think that's what happened.
2: What? What's your take? Right. Um, well, I heard that it was um, it was um, Cz having to sell because um, he needed to show up his BMP.
0: So, do we think that that's the case? I mean, the BMB BN- is. I don't know if you have a BMB chart uh, that you'd want to share. Uh, yeah. I have one, but. Yeah, sure, it's uh, it is struggle fast, it's sitting right there, also on a on probably the most key support on the chart in my mind. But if you bring up your chart, uh, we can we can take a look at that. You,
2: uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that that's all I heard was um, let's get the chart up.
0: Yeah, once you bring yours up, I got mine, I got mine here, and you can see, I mean, it's kind of nonsense to call this a range from 692 all the way down to 211, but it sort of is. And um, you had a bear flag that was very clear here, a breakdown of that, and now you're potentially losing that range. And a lot of people saying that if you dig into the actual uh, fundamentals, that there's some massive loans that are getting liquidated here. So to your point, the rumor, which I cannot substantiate, and I would not ever say is true, is that basically Binance is selling their Bitcoin to buy BNB to defend this so that they don't collapse.
2: Yep. And um, and it could well be that that, le- that level, because the, the rumor, was it was around about what 209? 209 is what people are saying, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's so it was 220,
0: but now that it's just kind of hanging out at 209 yeah. and didn't go down 50% as people predicted, now it's 210, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, so anyway, that's the only that's the only story, so to speak, that uh, the one that I've I'm sort of uh, pitching there for a bit of fun, but I think the coming back to uh, Bitcoin, then um. I'm looking at Bitcoin. When I was last on, which was only a couple of weeks ago, we would yeah. I did mention this twenty four thousand level. Um, this is a weekly chart of Bitcoin. There's been a bit of a divergence, just on a straightforward MACD down the bottom here. Been a bit of a divergence there on the weekly. You're usually if I get a uh, a week uh, a divergence coming in and price starts reacting i would expect it to come down to I've got a black moving average just a straight 50 period moving average on there very often it will revert to the mean to the average to the 50 so that 50 fun enough is down at that twenty-four thousand mark so we're we're there or thereabouts scott as far as um, what you're looking at there and overall i still for the longer term i'm you know i'm a bull as well so um I thought it might have gone a couple of months ago and um, started to have it creep up a little bit more then, but it, it ran out of gas, didn't it? But I do think that to a large extent, it's going it, do you think it's going to um, be impacted by the whole risk on, risk off thing? So I'm still looking at the equity markets and what they're doing. And if they remain soft, I know they're bouncing in the last couple of days, but if they remain soft... Then um, how much is Bitcoin gonna be going up um, whilst they're um, struggling a little bit? And I'm still yeah, looking for I mean they've the downside decorrelated
0: down. they've decorrelated for quite a long time here, but we all know that if there's a major credit event or something where it really goes risk off that Bitcoin's gonna dump with everything else because yeah. they, they always all go to one. I mean, if you believe that it's going to trade like a risk asset, I mean you gotta be looking here. This is ten year treasury's yield. Yeah. I mean, yep. break, breaking out over a high, I mean, we're talking about decades highs here and certainly the high from uh, last year, already at 4.346, it broke it, it's kind of retested it, not the most convincing, but if yields are going to keep ripping here, I mean, that's really bad for banks, it's really bad, I mean, it's just really bad for stocks, really bad for the economy in general. I mean, my, I, I still think that for now, stocks have somewhat topped, but I could definitely be convinced otherwise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I certainly for the time being. Whereas seasonally, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Seasonally, it's not the best time, is it? September isn't isn't September the worst? Worst Bitcoin? month for
0: worth worth month for Bitcoin, uh, you know, eighty yeah. percent of the years or something. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's,
2: everyone thinks it's October, but it's not it's September. So um, so yes, yeah, so I'm still looking at the stock market. I know they're bouncing a bit. If I just bring the S and P up, uh, bouncing a bit the last couple of days, but um, I'm still looking for a bit more to the downside over the next four to six weeks, um, taking us into October. So if we are going to be seeing that, I'm not seeing Bitcoin accelerating away. But at the same time, before we know it, we're getting into November and, and a seasonally stronger period for stocks. Um, at that time of year and if we do turn up if you know they all have some butts at the moment But if we do turn up from then if firstly if I'd like to see the stock market come down a little bit more first of all Me too. if we then can have a bit of a clear out there actually see some signs of pessimism I, I know that's been doing the rounds but these zero days to uh, to expiry options are just crazy I've never heard of that stuff over here in the UK can you talk um, about
0: it a bit more sorry uh, I haven't even yeah. looked into that actually actually
2: Right, so that's been doing the rounds. Goldman uh, printed it about a week or so ago. So it's options traders who they're not even trading front month options anymore. They're trading front day options. So oh, baby. Options yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like Bitcoin perp day.
0: swaps. Yeah, it's like uh, Bitcoin <laughs> perpetual swaps now for options. Yeah. yeah.
2: So crazy. it's just highly speculative. And we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago about the speculation out there in, uh, in the options a- arena. And then to hear that sort of activity that's going on just still says to me that that's a very highly speculative thing, the that activity that's going on. And we need to see that. That crumble a little bit, and it's not just yet. So, it still gives me some concerns when you're seeing that sort of trading going on, people thinking that they're going to be able to make money by the end of the day just by on uh, options that expire at the end of each day. So, um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's concerning.
0: Yeah, you're looking at the daily SPX
1: there, right?
2: Uh, Yes.
0: Yeah, I have effectively the same one. You can see just because we were talking about the 50MA there on Bitcoin, the SPX kind of led there. It's already broke that daily 50. I don't know if you use the 200, but that's down around yeah. four four forty 4,4134. I think that could be, and that's kind of this entire area as well, where you've seen tons of price action. Yeah. So like, if I think if we, I don't think, I don't, you know, I don't think we're going great depression 3000 as some of my other guests have been saying over and over again, but that's the kind of correction I would really like to see, uh, to convince me that, uh, you know, things are normalizing a bit.
2: Yeah, exactly, and um, I'll take the other side of their bets if 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 uh, if we can come down a little bit more first, though. So uh, yeah, I'm still looking to get on the long side at some point in the months ahead. Um, I think there could be an opportunity there. Um, so yeah, and that then leads back into Bitcoin and. Um, so yeah, um, you know, for twenty twenty four, we talked about this before. Uh, certainly for twenty twenty four, I'm interested. I saw your post talking about forty. Is it possible to go to forty thousand by the year end?
0: Yeah, I mean that that was based on the previous guest Sean, He's the head of uh, digital assets at Fundstrat with, with Tom Lee, and they've been kind of that's been their roadshow. One hundred fifty thousand next cycle, based on a spot ETF approval, and forty thousand this cycle. Yep. I mean, up to forty thousand this year would be totally normal for a cycle. But I also think that down to 20,000 is part of that cycle. So good luck figuring out which of those we hit or when, if both.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would like to think the low 20s, I said uh, at 24,000 could hold that sort of area. Um, Low 20s could hold actually. Um, And the usual thing, like you've said, flip-flop along, bore a few people out and then it uh, catches people off guard and it snuck its way back. And all of a sudden we're back up at 32 and and away it goes. So, um, but yeah, I still think that's going to take a little bit of time, maybe towards the very back end of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about sort of how September is the worst month, but I, I can only speak anecdotally, but the last time we absolutely rocketed after sort of some depression, was literally October 1st. Now I need to go find it. But October became sort of a meme in the crypto space because October has performed well. Uh, It must have been two years ago. I'm now looking for it on the chart because, yeah, it was right, like somewhere in here, but that was the meteoric rise. I think from like 10,000 all the way up to 65 basically sparked right at the beginning of October prices at 10. So we do have that sort of terrible seasonality in September, but as you said, this really kind of favorable fall for all markets, you know, Santa Claus rallies and uh, all those things. So I I'm not so pessimistic. I just think that, uh, you know, there will be shakeouts along the way. Because we don't get to the halving and see these massive new highs without basically everyone on both sides getting uh, liquidated first.
2: Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing is that we could be looking at the middle of next year before some of these ETFs get real approval. Is that, I don't know what your view is on that. So we could still yeah. be a while off, but we'll sneak our way up there. And like you saying, then before you know it, people will be thinking, oh, I'll buy the dip and then the dip doesn't come. I think the buying opportunity is over this next few months.
0: Yeah. Now I found it on the chart. It was, this is, you know, you had like the move all the way up from the threes or whatever to like 13,000 in 2021, yet another boring summer. September started literally right here, massively down in September. And then the October first day was this low right here. And then literally straight to 65,000 in a matter of months.
2: Yeah. Not
0: saying that uh, history will repeat itself, but we have this, do have this history of the terrible September being kind of a fake out. And then October is going up. So that gives us something, I think at least, to look forward to, but what do you think about the dollar here? I mean, that's obviously the wild card that could wreck the party, depending on how things go.
2: Well, the um looking at those yields, coming back to what you said about those ten-year yields, why it's so important to be watching those on my daily chart here of the ten-year. Let's take this to a daily, daily chart here. Bit of a channel going on, quite tight on this channel, but as we can see, you know, yields are ripping as we speak. They were down earlier today. It, what yeah, I thought was again. interesting yesterday: the dollar was down. Uh, yesterday, even though those yields were higher, but it seems to have got back to normality here today. We're breaching
0: too. Yeah. Sorry, dollar's kind of uh, starting to push again too. Exa- it, it is. Flipped, yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, flip the two hundred yeah. MA on the daily as well. Looking at yeah. it. Here. Yeah.
2: um So I, I, when you see these sort of breaches, it's breaching uh, these ten-year yields are breach, and this is all linked to the dollar, of course. Uh, breaching those high from highs from last year. Of course, people are going to start looking at what. 4.5% is the next level. People are naturally going to start to gravitate towards this. All should still act as an overall uh, tailwind to the dollar. And as you know, I've been um, I'm very active in the euro dollar. Um, so. The last few times I've been on, I've been talking about these ranges for the year, and so the euro dollar, the dollar index, they've actually had quite suppressed ranges for the year. So the euro dollar has only done what, barely 800 pips on the on the year, and it's about mid range as we speak. So it's either got to breach 105 or go back up and and fire north of 113. So. At the moment, with the way that the dollar is um, geared up here, we could see the or the potentials to see the euro certainly getting lower here, and the dollar itself, the dollar index pushing higher for the for the certainly for the next uh, month to two months.
0: Sounds like there's not much to do right now, but see where these things shake out. I think we kind of talked about that last time too. We it feels like we had the big. I'm not going to say obvious, but the, we had the big trade already for the year. And now we need to f- wait for it to really choose direction to get back in on a, on, a, on a meaningful trend.
2: You and I were shorting when I was last on back up here in this sort of zone. I think it was when the S&P was up here as just a standard channel. I love trading off of yeah. channels like you do so standard everything. basic yeah. technicals. And um, you're right, the trades in the main are on I'm just waiting to see the S&P if the S&P is going to roll over further and likewise coming back to the dollar we're already seeing the dollar really take front stage here again this afternoon really coming roaring back here so yeah i'm looking for that euro down back towards those those may may or late may and early june lows is the next levels really i'm looking for so 107 there for the euro certainly in the first at that first instance and then we'll just have to gauge where we're at at that stage we got china and what's going on over there so is this is this are these 10 uh, year yields as a result of all their treasury selling? And so, um, that we got going on there. So, uh, but certainly for the time being, the dollar is on the front foot. We got PMIs out of the, um, the Europe tomorrow, PMIs out of the US tomorrow. Uh, it's to and everybody is going really great. Right.
0: Will, will, it's my favorite meme in my mind is like, will we end up going into a recession and pricing that in and soft landing and hard landing? And it's so stupidly United States focused when the rest of the world's effectively already in a recession.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right?
2: yeah. So it's
0: like we talk about, will we go into recession? And you look and half the countries on the planet and all of Europe are in a recession already. So...
2: Yeah, to some degree or, or other, 100%. And so those PMIs will be another indication of that tomorrow. And so um, at the moment, we said this two weeks ago, where are you going to put your money? Are you Are going to put it in dollars or are you going to put it in euros? And you start to weigh it all up. And you know, I know that a lot of Americans worry about uh, the US going into recession. Like you've just said, well, Europe is practically there. Many of the country economies are. And if you want to park your money somewhere, where are you going to put it? probably still going to be yeah. the dollar
0: for the time being. Yeah, and not only the dollar, but uh, as Mike McGlone likes to say on Monday, just put it in short-term treasuries, get your 5%, you know, and, and keep uh, moving on from there. If you're in the United States right now, you could literally just get 10% over the next two years, wait this all out, have a big stack of cash if you think things are actually going to go down. Of course, you then uh, risk things going up and missing that move, but at least you got your 10%. I mean, talking about the recession, I had just seen this this morning. Uh, let me see here. Majority of small businesses believe U.S. is in recession, right? So it kind of doesn't really matter what the metrics are, or how they redefine it on any given day. The people here feel like it is. And then if we want to talk about the actual world and news that could rock things, we have the BRICS leaders meeting in South Africa. Listen, I, I'm sort of dismissive of BRICS. We're about to do a Twitter spaces on it in 30 minutes. But um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of pushback against the United States and the United States dollar.
2: I think that's probably a long, I think that's probably a a slightly longer term. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're all, a lot of us are in agreement on that, but not in the short term right now. So that might create, you know, day to day, week to week, a little bit of volatility. But the main story at the moment, I still think is for the time being is the dollar. And don't get me wrong. I am looking for that. That, that this dollar strength that we're, that we're seeing right now to dissipate in the next couple of months or so. But, um but for the time being any shorter term traders, then I'd still be um, um, weighing in on the dollar at the moment.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate that. So where can uh, I, I, I haven't asked you in a while, you have a trade, a place that people can learn to trade from you and follow. Yeah. Charlie Burton.
2: Yeah. um charlieburtontrading.com Check me out over there. You can, um I, We have an email list. You can go onto the email list and check out all the resources on there. And of course, I do have a a YouTube channel, Twitter, uh, all the usual stuff, Charlie Button Trading. I put a couple of videos out a week on uh, YouTube, but most of my time I'm spent in an online trading room with my traders so I don't get a chance to do too much social media content but um, we put That's where up.
0: the real value is though so that's I think that's fine <laughs> that's probably probably the people uh, would, would rather you be in there trading with them than uh, out here making wild predictions on Bitcoin like the rest of us uh, it's,
2: it's a bit of fun um, but no I I, someone asked me last year, Alessio Ristani, who I think you've met before, um, asked me if I would eat my hat if, um, if Bitcoin went to 100000 last year. Fortunately, I didn't have to because I said I don't see it going next year. All but in 2024, who knows?
0: Yeah, I'll take it. All right, man. Charlie, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you back in the next couple of
2: weeks. Thanks for having me on.
0: Good trading day, man. Later. All right, guys. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, really great perspective there, and uh, generally well aligned, which which is nice. I I really don't think, guys. It's so funny. I posted on Twitter, and it's like, go back to DJing, bro. One hundred fifty thousand, you're smoking crack. The more people say that to me, the more I'm convinced that uh, we're going there. I just hope that my friend Tech doesn't go there with us. As I said, we're doing a bricks focused Twitter Spaces in about thirty minutes. You guys can come check that out. Going to be awesome. I will see you. Tomorrow for yet another YouTubing excursion. Bye. Let's go.